Hey there, everybody. Welcome. How are you? Episode 14, Pretender to Contender. No co-host today. I'm here alone, which I kind of like, to be honest. Kind of like just kind of interviewing my guest alone. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a three-person conversation guy. I think I like one-on-one conversations. So uh, I was thinking, is this my first stand-up comedian guest here on Pretender to Contender? Let's think. Let's think back. I know I'm about to have Pete Corielli on, but I haven't interviewed him yet. He'll be on. Uh, he's uh, Sebastian Maniscalco's uh, partner on his podcast for years now. Funny comedian. And and uh, today we have Joe Conklin on the show, who's a stand-up comedian that I guess technically we started, we started together. And he broke into broadcasting, a very smart man, very early. So his pretender to contender story will be about being a stand-up comedian but also being a a radio personality in the in the Philly market for many many years as uh, a lot of people in my neck of the woods where I grow up know him from WIP and uh, being the uh, the comedian on the morning show and just doing voices of every every Philly sports guy there is uh, so we're going to get his story I'm kind of interested in it he even th- he thinks I know him really well but I never know people's career stories or like how, you know, what he was like young, younger and breaking into comedy and being uh, a radio personality. So he's sitting there as I'm talking about him. Thank you for coming on today. <laughs> Yo, I, I thought, is this on camera? You told me you it is. It was, well, it's not, you know, I don't use the video for anything except for promos, but it helps you when you're doing okay. it. It helps you because, you know, from being in radio, how much easier is it? doing radio and you're probably a great person to ask this um in studio versus doing it virtually now over the uh i mean you were always a guy that pre-recorded a lot of bits and sent them into the morning shows or the morning show and they played them right no i did it in the other room a lot of things were pre-recorded still are but i do them in the other room while angelos gives me something says go do this then I'll do it in another room. Then he yells and brings me in studio, and I don't hear what's going on on the air. I don't know what the conversation is. He just asked me a question, you know. So it's it's crazy uh, like that. I but, didn't even know that. Okay, that makes sense because when you're on daily radio, some news story could break right then while they're sitting there, and now you're in the other room. They send you a little uh, message. Hey, what do you got on? Uh, 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 the coach, he, uh, he just did this, yeah. or he just quit, or he just got fired, or something, right? Yeah, well, that's usually it. You know, you get your orders, and you get a uh, first set of orders the day before the show, and that, then you get updated orders when you arrive in the morning of the, what happened in the game last night. Does that affect what we're going to do with the bit today? Or, um, you know, somebody got fired, like you said. We have to adjust a little bit, but... Yeah, uh, you, you said pre-record. I was always in the studio. Any pre-recording was always done in the in the production studio adjacent to the on-air studio. Okay, I didn't know that. I, I for yeah, there were times there were times I thought that you had like a full recording set up at home, and you had like a partner, <coughs> like a, like a almost. I I know you've had different like writing partners at times where you kind of write yeah. bits together and you record them. I thought you recorded them at home lots of times. I didn't know that. Now, there's always been a couple scenarios. 
uh, I like song parodies I'll do at a recording studio because the guy is just better at it uh, as a better producer than the, you know, the producer that I have in, in the studio, who's one step above an intern kind of, you know, and I have to, I used to produce all my old stuff or, or all my stuff myself, but I really didn't graduate to the digital age. So they have somebody show me how, how to right. do everything or doing it for me. Um, but so, so, ha- so how did it work when Corona happened and you couldn't <clears throat> go into that side, that side office? Cause did, did that affect you? Like it's like doing stand up virtually. Any every comedian talked in the last year how much it sucked to try to do these Zoom shows. So you got to like record your bit now, like via Zoom, and you lose that vibe of being amongst the team, right? Well, two things happened. Um, for some reason, uh, well, as soon as the shutdown happened in March, like those, we were still going in. The building closed, but. Most of the on-air people, everybody from the morning show was going into the studio in an empty building. They were the only ones going in. I forget what happened. There was a scare of some sort where they wanted, I don't, I'm only in one or two days a week now. So they said, just stay home. You can do your stuff on the phone. It's going to be call-ins. They didn't, they didn't know how long the thing was going to last. So, And I didn't have a setup at home yet. Um, so I was doing – I was doing – like recording off of my phone and sending it in to the producer who was trying to put it together. So it was kind of, it sucked. And, and also I was doing phone calls, which some of my bits are phone calls. Whenever I do a fake call from like a coach or a character of some sort, it's usually right next to the student, right? Angelo can usually see me through the glass, you know, the host. Mm-hmm. So I can, like I'm talking to him, you know, so he can have more control over it. But I'm, I'm not me. I'm, I'm whomever I am, and, you know, whosoever voice I'm doing. Right. So, well, But I would do that from home, which is fine, too. Um, and, and for people that are listening to the podcast right now, um, so when he speaks of Angelo, Angelo Cataldi, who's uh, got the morning show there. What, what's the name? Is it, it's called the Angelo Cataldi Show? What yeah, is it? It's, it's called that, Angelo, right? Angelo and the Morning Team. It's, it's, it's Cataldi. It's, and, he's, and has it always been, uh, has it been the same, it, has it been the same group of guys from when he first started and when did he first start on WIP? He first started, uh, it's been this same group for the better part, uh, just about 30 years, maybe 25 solid years. But when it first started, it was like Brookshire and, uh, Cataldi, Tom Brookshire, Tom Brookshire. Yeah, the morning sports page. I think they did an hour. Al Al had the idea. Al Morgani, the sidekick, he had the idea of a couple of writers going in and doing an hour. And it was Al, Angelo, I forget who else, one other writer. And then they brought Tom. Tom Brookshire was doing the mornings. It was Brookshire and Cataldi. I'm not sure where Al was at that point, but right at Brookshire was ready to quit. He kind of retired after a year or so. And pretty soon it was... Angelo Cataldi, Al Morgani, and Tony Bruno. He was the radio guy who kind of, I don't know, he provided some glue, some, some, he did a bona fide newscast. He did the sports updates. He kind but then he, he became the character. He's, right. you know, Tony's nuts. He's, I've never he, met he, him, but I know, I know he, he's he became, a legend in Philly. He, he became wacky after that. Yeah, he's funny. So he's, 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 
So, so was so WIP here's a question was WIP always an all sports radio station or did it evolve into that? Oh no. They were they what were was it then? music for years. I got a great story about that. For, you remember Ken Garland, don't you? Remember Ken Garland? Yeah, I know that name. Cherry Hill. Yes. He would Boy, oh boy, Ken Gogling, we have uh, the snow's coming down and we have Operation Snowflake. We're going to give our snow closings. We used to do that. At, we still do it. Every Ken time it Garland. snows, we, we close stuff that's been closed for 30 years or make up <laughs> stuff that's canceled. Right. But I, you, you remember Bill Campbell, too, right? Hello, everybody. I, this is yes. Bill Campbell of the 76ers, the Eagles, the old announcer. Yes. Anyway. Uh, Bill, right, Cam- right. Bill Campbell. Yeah, he had a, like yeah. a yeah, he had a very Harry Carey esque kind of voice. Yeah. Yes, yes, and uh, so Bill Campbell, he died, I guess, about five or seven years ago. I'm not sure. Well, I was pretty close with him uh, after I started working with him. But um, you know, he's been around. He did the 1950 Phillies. He he's been around for years and years and years. He was friends with Connie Mack. Um, I'm doing this job about ten years ago out of the Marion Cricket Club. It's all tuxedos. It's a men's stag night. Cigar smoke. Old rich people from uh, Bryn Mawr. I, I mean, old money. Blue right, bloods. right. Yes. So they used to bring in, I, I worked with the, um, they had an orchestra, uh, a small little orchestra of old guys uh, that they hired. And then, then me for part of the dinner. I would do like a half hour after dinner. And, but the I would do it with the, the band was back there and they're playing. So I'm talking to this old guy, a nice guy. I forget what his name is. I said, you work at WIP? I said, yeah. He said, um, um, how's Bill Campbell doing? Bill's great. Yeah, he's still around here, this and that. He said, yeah, I worked at WIP, the guy says to me. Oh, yeah, what, what did you do there? He says, I was in the band. They had a band. They had a band? Station. <laughs> Why they would, would they have a band? The afternoon and pl- they had a whole orchestra. <laughs> they would just they play like live music. 20, 20 employees in the band all day long. They were playing music. That's classic. So, so that's what WIP was. I guess it's been around 100 years, but I mean, it was in the 40s and 50s. They were playing they had their own band. They're playing big band numbers. Oh, God. So, so, so we're, we're talking with joe here you know uh and like we're talking contender stuff but let's let's go back you know everybody loves the story of because we we see where you got you could tell in two seconds when joe is sitting here for a second as he's fixing his curtains in the back i love I didn't it even take a look at my he's like damn it i have my curtain my curtain like I told you, this is literally the video portion is literally going to be a couple of quick clips that if we say something accidentally hilarious that I can well, throw on the Instagram the thing page. Is, Joe, you notice it in the shutdown, everybody's backgrounds, you know, yep. and you got to check it out. People are having their own little yep. story with their shelves and their yeah. plants. Well, well their- look at me. I, I try to move left because there's a spot on the door that needs to be painted. <laughs> and I try to I try to keep my my chair in front of it. And now you can't even see like I was interviewing you and I wanted to uh, someone just oh, sent me this there's Tugger. Yeah, someone there's just Tugger. sent sent me that jersey to put in my background. I was like, "Oh, oh I love, love that. It. I got to get a frame for it or something." Uh But yeah, you you asked me a question I never answered. You said, um, "How was it with radio not be, is it easy like 
like right now we're having an interview on on video and mm -hmm. yeah you're kind of a little self-conscious about what you look like but radio is awesome because you know nobody sees you and you don't have to be seen i can make faces and noises and you know i can just do my thing all i need is the headphones you know what i mean and i know what i sound like and i'm not worried about what's going on with my face or my shirt or my hair or my hair <laughs> my yes. ears whatever the hell you know what I mean? i'm scratching if i got an itch whatever well i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit in the interview because the, uh, since the lockdown i dove back into the voiceover career which i had got lazy with because in here in new york if you were a voiceover actor you had to go into the city for the audition were the auditions if you were lucky to get multiple in a day, you know, mm. and I live on in the burbs. So it would be like, I don't know where you live. You live in South Jersey. Imagine if you had to go to voiceover auditions, not even. That's oh, tough. I remember all that. That was, a, it's brutal. You got to be there. Uh, if you want to be, um, you know, in the marketplace, you, you just really took yourself to off at, camera. I want to, want to. <laughs> there you go. You're off Remember. camera. There you go. You moved. I didn't okay. move. All right, I, all right, I, I moved. So Chill. what I'm saying is, is in the, the the lockdown happened, and it became not only do you record your audition for a voiceover at home, now you even do the job from your house if you get the voiceover with these new uh, technology yeah. like yeah. we just talked about. So it's it great. Yeah. So. Um, you know that that kind of pushed me to go towards that but i'm i'm interested in the early before i even met you at the comedy works in that probably was 1990 in in philadelphia it was an open mic on wednesdays and i remember me, remember meeting you there you were already kind of working in radio though you already had the the job like that and that's like a comedian's dream is like how do i get a job where i get to be funny and you already had one when you were going to the open mics but how did it how did it happen how did you get in because you were you, did you do radio first or stand up first uh well i'm blessed of course and i'm thankful for everything mm -hmm. but i'm in high school and <clears throat> i wanted to be harry callis just like most kids in Philly. Right. Were you a um, baseball player? Did you play sports? I was an announcer. I was. I, I, I did impressions. I, I started doing the – I had a little act from seventh grade when the Catholic Charities Appeal Show. Mm -hmm. I, I went on stage and did, you know, a couple of sports voices. I did Bobby Clark and Bernie Perron when the Flyers were big. They were So I was doing sports material before I even In started. high school, you went on like a... Th no, okay. this is grade school, dude. Grade school. Seventh and eighth grade. Yeah, seventh grade, eighth grade. I did the shows. They went around and said, anybody got any talent? I, I said, I'll try it. So uh, I got up and I did about three, four minutes and it was great. I did a seventh grade, the eighth grade show. And then I was in high school. I went to like the biggest school in the country. It's Cardinal Doherty High School. And I was like a, a small fish in a big pond all of a sudden. So I had to kind of take a back seat. And then I kind of worked my way up in high school. I started, by the time I was a senior, I was announcing the basketball games as Dave Zinkoff. And, um, and so then I got on so stage. Even, so even go back, because I think a lot of people that like to listen to this show, 
it's like you, you like to figure out how to break in if you're interested in something, even if a young person's listening. It's like, and one thing that's overlapped when I interview people from comedians to writers to restaurant owners to everything, there's always some point where you got to dive in. You got to go, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to, like, I, and I was a guy that dove in and then would get nervous and quit. Like I dove into the school play and then I went, ah, and I quit. Or I dove into playing sports and then I didn't know anybody and I was like, oh, and I quit. So you had to, uh, to all, what do you do? Just show up the freshman year and go, I want to be on the, uh, I want to announce the, the games. I mean, how, how do you got it? Yeah. That's part, that's part of the business actually. That's something you got to learn. I mean, you weren't afraid at all, right? In like ninth grade, nah, you're already I was diving always in. Afraid to be honest with you, you're always a little timid with with doing anything. I was no tough guy or no bold guy, but you have to scheme to get to be where you to get where you want. The fact was they they didn't even have an announcer at at the time, so I had to go through the a the ad the um the athletic director. I knew they had a guy that did the starting lineups, and then that was it, and. And I had to pitch, I had to pitch the athletic director on having me do the whole game, you know, and or, or I'll, you know, I'll do the lineups and then I'll just, I'll do PA for the game. So you almost have to, I always tell, you know, anybody when I'm, I'm doing career stuff or whatever, <clears throat> you have to look for the microphone. It's, and it's everywhere around us. It's in Kmart, attention Kmart shopper. It's, it's true. in, it's at church, the lector. I was a lector in, in high school. I was a lector at church. I was give, that was my stage time. That was my air time. You're reading right. at mass. You can do it at school. Sometimes they let a kid read the announcements. Anywhere you hear or see a microphone or anybody speaking, you want to get there. And mm -hmm. you got to scheme a way to get yourself there. So that was basically my whole life I've, since i was a little kid i wanted to get on that mic somehow right and it wasn't something like like you hear lots of people that are in broadcasting their dad was a broadcaster or their mom was on camera or something was it in your family at all absolutely it's in the genes however we weren't in show business my father was a child prodigy star classically trained singer he did shows as a kid but then he kind of and he wound up making it a sideline. He sang at church at funerals and weddings. Uh -huh. But it wasn't like show business was ever encouraged in our house. Right. I will say that, um, you know, I'm blessed with great genes. Both my parents had great voices. So it's definitely something that's in the genes. What did you your know? mom? What did your mom do? Well, she was she sang at church also. She happened to have a beautiful voice. She had no training. And nobody else in her family sings, but she does. And she she sang a church in the choir. And my actually, my mom and dad would sing every once in a while together at like a, a party or something. Oh wow! So and our house was like that growing up. I'm the sixth of seven kids, right? So I got all older brothers and sisters. And my oldest sister, my my one of my older sisters, Joni, was in all the shows in high school. She's a singer. She used to sing in wedding bands. She had a great voice. Both my brothers sing. They entertain. And growing up in my house was like growing up in, um, you know, like the Von Trapp family, with, but with attitude. It was kind of edgy. You know? it, where it was where did you grow up? In the Olney section of Philadelphia, right down the street from Cardinal Doherty High School. And where is around it? Around 2nd and uh, 
Godfrey second and Spencer. Okay. But um, what the heck was I going to say? Uh, <laughs> the um, uh, it, it, it was tough to get stage time at my own dinner table growing up. Everybody and, and was a performer. One of the young, yeah, and as one of the younger ones, I was scratching and clawing just to get attention, really, right, and to get to get, to get heard. What? Well, well were, are you the one in the family? Like you got the singers, but were you the one who could impersonate people, and that's what they they noticed, or did do other people in your family have that? Because it's like an ear, you know. I noticed my daughter imitates people because I do nothing like you. Like I have like a few voices that I can do, and it's funny. Because this is something I want I could talk to you about. Also, people don't jump on like the stuff that I do for social media. If it's a voice, doesn't do well. But if it's me being me, it does well. It, me observing my own life does well. Me doing <laughs> Harry Callis or Tony Soprano, it's like it does okay. It, but it, it doesn't excite people. And then other people that do it, it does excite people. And I and I don't you know the great, reason. You got a great Tony Soprano. It's outstanding. But, yes, but like it excites. I don't know. They like they like me better. And like yeah. even my wife no. used to say that to me. Well, stop doing the voices. You, I like you as you. <laughs> she goes, I, I think you're you're missing something. And I was like, what? Well, I I do have that talent. And I noticed my daughter has it. Um, my son. I don't know if you noticed this with your kids. Like it's funny when you hear them nail like a regular person like my one friend mike his dad's this real uh, new york italian guy right and all of us and uh we were <laughs> it was when you, we were with you and wildwood i think you you met the guy this guy sill you met do you remember sill the <laughs> owner he's very italian he's kind of got an intimidating uh, way sill was the guy that ran that whole beach that where we did the tented show you and oh I. it's funny so yeah. sill's a character and sill had this big water slide on the beach and i still remember this my my son and i were sitting with sill while we we're like having a sandwich outside and we go uh how did you get that? My son was interested. Like, how do you just get like a big water slide like that? And he just looks at my son and he goes, I bought it. Right. With this attitude, I bought it. And for like two weeks, my son would just out of nowhere go, I bought it. And I went, <laughs> yeah, you sound yeah, exactly yeah. like him. I go, That's Oh great. my God. That's so great. it is, does anyone in your family imitate other people? Well, I, I, you get two questions going on. You, yeah, you, you must have ADD. I do. I do. One thing. To the next. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but let me answer the thing about the family. Yes, my father did voices. Everybody, my sister did voices. Really? They all did voices. That's so cool. I'm the only one who made a living out of it. Right. Uh, but my father was always in character. He was a big uh, Alfred Hitchcock guy. He loved the macabre. He would love to scare you. And he, um, the, you know, we had the, the bishop used to call our house Bishop Graham. Uh, a famous bishop in Philadelphia because he was the pastor of St. Helena's Parish. And he, somebody from the rectory used to have to call our house when somebody died to, uh, to tell my father we got a funeral. Hello, it's Jim. Jim, we have a funeral at 10 and 11 on Wednesday. And my father would imitate him and he'd do a handful of other voices. So, yeah, we were always... They used to call it taking taking off. He was take, he took 
he takes off this one. He took off that one. So what if you have everyone in your family having this voice talent, <laughs> there's probably nobody there going, hey, Joe, you should make a living at this. You're be- you're good at this. Like, because everybody's good at it. Did you notice or did they notice, hey, you're even better than we are? Oh, uh, I was just the main question was, what are we going to do about Joey? Joey was always getting in trouble and nobody it wasn't in their mindset to make a living. Nobody was molding an announcer we just want to keep the kid out of jail somehow uh they weren't thinking they were under their own lives they right. weren't thinking you know it's different today you know people don't <laughs> How- somebody said a long time ago i thought it was funny as hell it was just, oh it was a period of time where people really didn't care about their children <laughs> and that's true when we were yeah. kids it wasn't like the world centers around this this kid, well, well, is he going to go to college? I mean, you know, as long as he has dinner that night, right. he's fine. Well, you see, know, my, sometimes how, that didn't how about the guys you hung out with? Like, I remember my friends would always go, do that voice, do that thing. You're good at oh, that. Oh, yeah, that, that, that. happened for sure. Yeah. Like Steve DeSembrino, I still think of this today. He said to me, he said, Joe, if you don't get on stage, you're going to go crazy. And it's true. I just, I needed it. You know what right. I mean? I needed to, um, what is the word? I don't know, f- fulfill it. I, I needed to at least try it because I knew I had some talent. Right. I needed to push this to to where I, I would hate to be like, you know, at the end, like a plumber who, who didn't really have the chance to fulfill, uh, you know, the voices thing. Right. Uh, but anyway. So you so, go to high school and you're doing all the voices you're announcing. Are you doing theater stuff too? Or are you just doing no, broadcasting? I, 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 we didn't have a big theater department, unfortunately, in, in this giant high school. The the big play my year was uh, Butterflies Are Free. I think there's four people in that cast. <laughs> and if there was a big musical, I would have definitely went in for it. Mm-hmm. And of course, you don't want to be in the plays because it's it's not a macho thing, right? But, uh, and and at that age, you want to you want to make sure you're not put in certain categories. But and when we were growing <laughs> up, it was it wasn't as accepted. Seriously, it just I wasn't. Know. That's why I quit. Doing? That's why you I quit. Play? Yeah, I saw. I I got I got a part, and then I went that first day, and I was the only heterosexual guy there, and I went. I don't feel very comfortable here. And, and you, you look back and go, "What was your fucking problem?" Like. Who cares? Yeah. But and you, you probably but, got teased by the boys. What are you doing in the play? Dude, I quit yeah. so quick that I didn't even have time to get teased. <laughs> I went one day. They tried to show us how to do a dance number, and I quit. <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I can't dance. I can't dance. These guys and the guys good. I was like, they're good. Holy shit, this guy oh can my dance. God. Well, I was in the choir for one day and quit. Uh, same kind of thing. Um, but with the plays, no. Um, at some point. I knew that there was a career for me and my voice, and it was announcing and communications. I wanted to get into uh, the the broadcasting, quite frankly. Right. I wanted to be an announcer. I wanted to be Harry Callis. I right. wanted to be the play-by-play guy of the Phillies. And what's and the next the route, step? The route was Temple University, which at the time and still is one of the top communication schools in the country. And it was very attainable. I could get into Temple. I can afford Temple. I could take the subway down from my house. Like there was no going away to college in, in my family. We just didn't have the money. You know, you mm-hmm. weren't gonna pay for room and board. You get yourself into college and then you 
you take the subway down and you somehow get enough financial aid to make it happen. But right. Yeah, I got to temp, so I kind of had a vision about it, you know. Wow, and as soon as so I you're got really temp- mature. You, I don't know why you, that's very mature to be thinking so ahead. Um, well, as it a young was man, all I had it was all I had, you know. It was like, what are, what are you gonna do with your, you know, you've you've had that. What are you gonna do with your life? It's it's crossed you when you were 16, 15, 17. No, Did I don't think. I didn't have much direction. I think uh, how I got into performing is there was nothing else I could do. And it was the first. <laughs> I'm serious. But yeah. what were you doing? What had you started? But, but, it, but it is like what you said rings true. Look for the microphone. I started DJing when I was about 18 years old. I bought all the equipment and the records because I wanted to talk on a microphone. And I got a bunch of shit from the guys that were my partners because I was talking more than I was playing. You know, Ah, I was trying to entertain. I was trying to be an entertaining DJ. And they were like, no, like that works on the radio. That doesn't work at a wedding. That's when I met you. you It is when I met you. Just the sidetrack. It was Mm -hmm. before the, the incident you're talking about in the comedy club. Yeah. We met at a bowling alley and you were DJing. You were doing Rocky and... You were doing ba- Rocky Balboa over in Jersey at That's like uh, right. their king or what is it, uh, Vic's Pizza or something? What's what's Vito's? The, Vito's, what, Vito's. Where, yeah, and there was the Woodcrest Bowling Alley, which isn't Wood there Crest anymore. Bowling. All right, what's the one on uh, had uh, had five sixty one? What's that pizza place there? You're right, Vito's it, Pizza. Vito's, it's, it's yeah. still there. Yeah, you were in that in that shopping center, <laughs> and I was I was there all. As a radio announcer, not even a comedian, I was there from 98 because that's the first job I got. You know, as I get older, I tend to appreciate different things. One thing I love now more than I ever have in the past is some unique furniture. Not just any furniture, unique custom furniture made by Battle Rattle Woodworks. He's specialing in charcuterie boards for all those parties you're about to host when this weather gets a little nicer. Even better, if you enter the code CHOP15 at checkout, you're going to get 15% off your entire purchase. Massive savings on some unique American-made stuff. Help support your local veteran right now and visit them on social media at Battle Rattle Woodworks. Hey guys, this is Sturge from Chop Sports, and I want to talk to you about a new hobby of mine, and that's real estate. Ever since we brought on our resident realtor here at Chop Sports, that's all I can think about. So we got another one. You know who's really good at this stuff? Jay Devlin of CRG Homes. Jay is out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and business is booming. Whether you're looking to relocate, buy, rent, or literally purchase property and watch your stacks get higher, Jay is the guy to do this for you. He's already in the process of helping me out right now on a possible summer home. Call Jay right now, 843-315-5913, and have yourself a chat and learn about all the perks and tell him Chop Sports sent you. Okay, so how does it go from Temple into there? Uh, I got an internship, which is what everything's about. It's for anybody listening out there, the key to employment is go somewhere and get in the building and work for free. So as soon as you do that, you start you hear that one a people. lot. You start meeting people and work breeds work. You know that mm-hmm. work breeds work. You're in the building. They, somebody takes a liking to you or not. And you're in or out, you know, that I like this guy hanging around now. He's all right. Let's, let's keep him around. And also it, you meet people and you get contacts. I had a backdoor, pardon the expression, kind of an entry into radio because when I was in college, I, I was um, I sold pots and pans in China. 
and fine china, pots and pans and fine china. I went okay. to Bermuda twice. I was a pretty decent salesperson. Really? While you were end, going to school? No, the trip, summer job, the bonus at the end of the summer was a trip to Bermuda. And I thought I was going to be in sales. And somebody got in my ear halfway through Temple saying, you know, the big money is in sales. It's not in performance. It's in the sales end. So I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll do that. Now, mind you, I still had the back of my mind that I wanted to be a comedian. Now, uh, or somehow use my voices. I wanted to be an, an announcer and, a, you know, either not even a stand-up, just somehow use these voices that I have. Um, but that got pushed to the side. I graduated from Temple, got a job about six months later at a radio station in Trenton in the sales department. Based on my, I'm sorry, I got an internship at Channel 17 before my senior year in the sales department. Uh -huh. I was a sales assistant. I met all those people. It was like a gateway. You got a job if you graduate from all these contacts. And I got hired in Trenton. And I immediately was hired full time. And I didn't like it. I wasn't, I was in sales. Bermuda. I didn't like it. I wanted to be behind the microphone somewhere. A year goes by. A guy that I sold with um, in Trenton says, hey, man, you want to go get a drink, a, a beer, a happy hour? Uh, he, had, he had moved on to a Philly station in sales, uh, WCAU AM. He's selling. He's got, he made it. He made the big time, made the big market. He says, yo, meet me out at Friday, City Line Avenue. We'll have a beer. So I said, sure, that sounds great. I go out there and meet him. Uh, right across the street from where all the radio stations absolutely. are. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> it's all right there. It's all yeah. right there. And he's with a guy from the FM station, CAU-FM. So we start, you know, and he teased me up for my voices. I think I hear Wilson Good. I think I hear Rodney Dangerfield. I start doing the voices. <laughs> he this set guy's you like, up? Hey, man, we're actually looking for a, a, a guy to do voices on the FM. There's a new morning guy, Terry Young, the motor mouth. So you remember this guy. I think boat. I do. Yeah. And so I went out there, made a tape up in my basement, in my handheld, sent it out. The guy says, come on in. I did one day on the air. He said, you did pretty good today. Why don't you come back tomorrow? Then they kept me all week. And then that was it. I got hired. And I'm 23 at that time. 23. And how do you and turn I, it in? I, I'm always fascinated. How do you turn that into a, a, a job and getting hired? They literally say, okay, we're going to hire you now? Or do you literally have to go, hey, you guys got to hire me now. I've been working no, here for No, no, no. They wanted, they, they, I didn't really have any power until a few months down the lane, down the lane. No, I was on there for months, just one day at a time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then it was, Terry was up, Terry's contract was up. I believe in like February. Okay. Right. The following Friday, I got hired in in May of '86. Feb uh, 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 February comes up. Terry's uh, the the main host. It's me and Terry. The main host is getting paid pretty good money, and he says, um, uh, "Hey man, they're they're jacking me around. I want to get eighty thousand. I want to get eighty thousand. So he says. Yeah, well, that's great. So they finally, they come through. They didn't want to play around. They gave him his contract. They came down with a piece of paper, a contract for me also. And it was $40,000.
and I'm 24 years old. That's a lot this of money. Major market radio. What station was it again? WCAUFM 98.1. That's 98.981. Yeah, that one became an oldie station after that. Okay, I yes. remember. Yeah. After we ruined it. But, <laughs> man, I was on Broadway. I hit a grand slam. It was the greatest thing in the world. And then, within about a year, they changed formats, and I'm out of a job. I'm on the street. Dude, I was through, I had a TV job, too, because we were in Channel 10. And they, they just started this new show called Live on City Line. And they were uh, auditioning hosts for that. And they had uh, they some one of the producers came around and, and knew me and knew what I did. Said, "Listen, we need to have some bodies for people to interview. You want to be like Jack Nicholson and, and pretend you're Jack Nicholson?" I said, "Sure." So come in, you know, Wednesday night, and they're interviewing all these hosts. And I, hey, we're here with Jack Nicholson. I, how you doing, Chief? What's happened? <laughs> you're just they're just setting you up, and you're coming in yeah. and interviewing people's said, characters. Said they li- they liked me and they wanted to make me a part of the show. So I'm the announcer. They had me saying, "It's five o'clock today's show. It's it's five o'clock and it's time for live on City Line." And I would sit there on the big uh, on the on the stool with an old fashioned microphone in front. It was the coolest job. So within like a year, I had two I had two big jobs. You know that that. It's TV only paid, you know, it paid like a side job, but it was every day. It was five o'clock. Guess who the host was? Matt Lauer. Matt, Matt Lauer? Lauer. Oh, my Matt God. Lauer and Sheila Allen Stevens. The show lasted three months. So now, and then the the oldies, the, uh, the, the radio got canceled about a month before the TV ended. Now it's Christmas time. I just had a kid. I got, and I lose two jobs. I'm 25. <laughs> I'm oh out of two God. jobs. Now I'm back. Now I'm DJing weddings again. And so, yeah, you can, you don't just fall right back into a radio oh, job. And ra- radio is like being an actor. It's uh, it's uh, absolutely it's all, it's all show. I call it showbiz. It's all yeah, showbiz. It is showbiz. It's all showbiz, and it's part of it. You're up and down, up and down. So I'm out doing clubs. Remember Gahoolies, rulings. I don't know if you did any of those jobs. Then oh, yeah. I'm out there all that stuff. pulling. A, pulling a Paul Solari where I got to fill up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm trying to get gigs. You know what I mean? And then I'll host it every week. So I'll have a job every week. But when you mean, when you mean gigs, you mean DJing gigs or I'm talking about comedy. So you had already, so how does this, yeah, I don't know how the stand up blends into you having a, you had a radio job. So when do you go, Hey, let's go try this comedy thing with the voices that i do on the radio how does that come i up? had a radio job but i always did the impressions and while i was doing the radio you would uh, i had to develop an act basically so say you i like i had to fill up i got kids now so mm-hmm. i gotta fill up the nights of the week you whether need, it yeah you comedy. need to make you have to get two jobs basically is what you're thinking yeah, that's well, another no, job so i'm going out of the house and i'm doing something if I'm doing, I'm doing stand up. I'm doing, I'm spinning records. I'm doing something. Right. I'm getting paid. I'm getting, right. So that's so either one. I was doing both. Right. Just like you, you, you were, you were doing the same yeah. theory. Yeah. You but I can imagine if I had would have had kids back then, like you had already had. Yeah. There's also yeah. the piece that, as any young dad knows, 
going to work's easier than being home when you have kids. <laughs> so you're like, let's go. I'll I'll do I'll have, get three jobs. I have a well, second. I, did that too. No, I have my, a second job right now that I'm doing on the side of being a comedian because it just died in, over the last year for me. But well, uh, my my ex carried the nut for a while. Uh, I was home, Mister Mom, and during the day a lot of that time that I just spoke of too. She was yeah. a nurse. She was. Uh, she had a good job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we're lucky. We're lucky. Um, so you, so you decide, I'm gonna try to take these impressions I do and turn it into an. As, so that's probably when I met you at the open mic when you were trying yeah, it, to turn it into stand up. Correct. And it was at that time that I needed to make my uh, make develop an act. Right. And if you remember, um, there was a lot. There were a lot of contests. Contest helped me immensely. Remember oh, the Johnny yes, Walker, yes, the Johnny Walker contest. Yeah, you were one of those comedians that kicked ass. All you in had those to contests. do, all you had to do, was three or four solid minutes, right? And and you could, I could beat like a middle act, a, fe a, a feature, and I would just do like ten voices real and blow them away, and you know, blow the audience away. And this guy's and and, and a seasoned comic is setting up. And premises and just not getting there quick enough you know what i mean right so the yeah, contests were perfect for me yeah you were like when letterman would do the impressions week of on letterman every yeah, night I wish he, I had, I wish those I guys would yeah those guys would cram a million impressions down to five minutes <laughs> they'd put them all into one premise they'd yeah, be like and boom 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 and they'd just get like they'd kill it and, and letterman loved it those were fun to watch when he would do those weeks yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, as, as, as an impressionist, it's almost like you, you either got to go to Vegas and have like a Vegas act or radio is a really good spot Correct. for somebody that has that talent. Um, Correct. well, let me get back to that other yeah. thing you mentioned real quick. You said when, oh, when I do stuff talking about myself, it does well. When I do voices, it doesn't do well on social media. Mm -hmm. That was the whole rub years ago. And it's still a lot that way for some people like, any impressionist, I've always, you know, I've heard this throughout my career. If you really want to be a comedian, you got to stop doing the voices. You've heard this, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you can't be a, a taken seriously as an act if you're just doing voices. Well, and I, th I think it's because when we came up, it was the sitcom era where they wanted to take a comedian yeah. and, build, and they, yeah. I, I think they had already probably tried that route with different guys that were famous for being imp impressionists. Yeah. And no, it was really hard to write a show around it. So then they started telling everybody you got to yeah. do this. And then it, it right, evolved again. There was, was like one route to stardom you yeah. know, or the, the root of, of the day, the yeah. flavor of the day, yeah. way to do it. Yeah, like I have, um, a, I have a friend, Kyle Dunnigan, that they used to tell him the same thing when he was in New York with us. Then he moved to L.A. and he got hired on a couple of sketch shows. Like a, a person that can do impersonations is great for either Saturday Night Live or Mad TV. Yeah. And he got like he got like six. I remember he got six callbacks for Mad TV. Then he got cast in Cedric the Entertainer had a had a sketch show on like Fox, and he was going to be the breakout white guy right on this show. And then the show got canceled. And but they still used to tell him, "Don't do the voices." Blah 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 blah. Then that app came out where you could put somebody's face on your face. And yeah, he, how that was only a couple years ago, right? Yeah, and he just started doing that. Who's this? This guy, Kyle Dunnigan. He's up to okay. like 
900,000 Instagram followers. He, it's all That's he awesome. does is voices now. And he well, it's what everything they told him not to do. Like my friend Johnny Lampert has the best line. He goes, people in the business like to tell you to stop doing that thing that works. Yeah, that's no, true. No, yeah. but the truth is what whatever you need to do at the time, you don't have to revolution or, or throw your whole identity away. No. You know, um, you like, do have like to do the key is doing what you want to do. If you want to be a guy who that's does true. voices, that's then it's fine. But if you don't no, and you're I doing totally, it to get the job, that's bad. I totally agree with that. But going back to that era where they said, Hey, listen, they're not gonna take you seriously if unless you throw those voices away and do a an act around yourself. What what should have been done was all right, you want seven or seven minutes set talking about me and my stuff. You know, I'll still do the voices on the radio where, mm -hmm. where I should be doing them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to build my act around it. I'll have two products. You have another product. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all have several products. You got your you got your day show that you do for a corporate and you have mm -hmm. a corporate product that you'll talk. By the way, speaking of the corporate product, that's really it's you got to watch everything nowadays. Oh, uh, yeah. All the oh, positioning, yeah. change all the wording. Uh, but. Um, it's what you have to do to get work. You want to get paid, right? Yeah. I love when comics would argue, I'm not changing my act. I'm good. Yeah. Well, don't work then. You know? Right. Right. But it, but when, if you do love the change, it's a lot easier. It does help to just go for what, I mean, I think that's what that's pretender true. to contender is. Like if you hated doing radio and you were just doing it, it would not work, but you, no, I, I, you I like do it. believe I you can, love doing I, the voices. I'm I'll tell you I can what tell. I do like. Uh, no, I, I for sure. And um, but forever it was. I'm gonna do whatever. I, I I got in this business to get paid. Right. You know, I go to work to make money. We have to make a living. Right. That so it was. It was what's gonna bring home the bacon. That's it was as simple as that. Right. If if somebody told me for this gig, you're not allowed to do any voices. I just need a. A guy strip, whatever you need, I'm, I'll do it. I'll do it, right? You know? It yeah. wasn't like whatever makes me happiest. <laughs> now, right. now I can say, well, I can pick and choose a little bit more. But no, I'm doing what whatever you you know you lie to get in there and get the work. Right, right. So, so, so to get all the way to the end of your story, so you're at those two shows. You're doing some stand up on the side. You're winning the contest, but. You don't have a, it sounded like you don't have that big radio gig yet. Now, how, how no, does it happen? The, the, uh, well, uh, you have two stories going on and, and they're, they're never, they're, they're always broken up. Like the first story we talked about with the radio, that's my real story. I mean, that's the one that eventually brought me home. I law I had a job, fourth largest market in the country right. morning show. Yeah. Then I get a TV show in the afternoon, right. two jobs at in the Philadelphia. same time. Right. They all go down yeah. the tubes. Now it's there's all a, over. Yeah, now there's a dry so period. Then I go back to DJing. And at the same time, I'm trying to fill the days out. So I'm going to start, like I said, trying to, you know, you don't wait for Paul Solari to call. Right. You got to go out and find the room, book yourself as the MC, call two guys to come with you. That's the way I did it. Oh, yeah. I did that same thing. I didn't know you did that, like produce shows. Okay. Absolutely. I did that you too. You have to. Yeah. You have to. You got to hustle. Christ, Definitely. I had a paper route too. <laughs> so did know? I. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to get paid. That's what we did, whatever to get. So 
then it was at that time that the contests were happening and they had them at the works and and the outlet and down Atlantic City at the comedy stop at the trop. I so I, I I won the thing at the works. So I got and the owners saw me. So I got I was I started working for them for the littles. OK. And um, and then I, I got work from Clay Heary out of it. So that got me into right. the club. This so was, then a, this I was another club for people. Clay Heary owned the other comedy club in Philly. That was literally, that's how big comedy was back then. They were two clubs. They were across the street from each other. Three, dude. There was one down there, the street, Barney's. Oh, and that's the, right. I forgot about the Barney Weiss. There was three clubs yeah. on the same street. Oh, my God. All bananas. Yeah. yeah. All no, bananas. None of them are there and, anymore. And um, uh, so anyway, that, that filled that gap until WIP came along. So I'm trying to go out and just make the uh, get nights during the week up. WIP changes formats. They're doing sports. This station was made for me. I do sports material. I do sports announcers. Right. They come along. I try tapes. Don't get answered. So, uh, uh, somehow the morning, sh- uh, the afternoon show. I tried to get on Brookshire and Cataldi. Nobody, nobody. Uh, they don't. They don't email you. But they don't send anything. But it was no email then. They don't they don't call you or anything. So six months go by. The afternoon show producers guy by the name of Joe Wechter. He sees the cassette sitting around. It's about a foot from the trash can. I mean, it's about it's just about over. He pops it in. He hears Harry Callis, Wilson Good, Rodney Dangerfield, and he likes it. And he plays it for Jody Mack. And Jody says, eh, I kind of like this guy. Pretty good. <laughs> Appreciate it. So Jody calls me at home and I had been listening to him. He's brand new in town. He's from New York. I said, holy shit, Jody Max called me. He said, listen, we want to have you on. I like your stuff. So I go on his show every Thursday at two o'clock for a year for free uh, for publicity. A year goes by. The morning guys like it. They're replaying my shit in the morning from Jody's show. So then that's how that led to that position. And they started bringing me in one day at a time and then one week at a time. And then I got a contract. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's just all about. It's getting your face in there. And yeah. Getting, and, and, getting, and, yeah. You're getting, getting you, you even made me time. you even made me realize that I remember. Um, what's his name over at the Preston and Steve show? This guy, Casey. Pulled Casey, me. Yeah. He pulled me into the side room one day after I, because I've been on that show like you know twenty five times, and he pulled me he in said, the side. You got to take a shower and when you come in here. <laughs> no, he, he. I think he's. <laughs> I forget who it was, because they own more than you know these radio stations. They own more than one radio station. They own a few other ones, and they were saying that they were trying to put a morning show together with. Uh, someone that was on WIP that isn't on WIP. The Cuz. Who's the Cuz? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, at the other station. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety-seven five, right? You with him, remember yeah. that? They go, yeah. He goes, he goes. Would you come? Would you come down? I go for a job. I'll relocate my whole fucking family. I go, <laughs> but you're making me think that like the move is, I'll do it for a fucking month for free, and if you like me, you hire me. If you don't, you tell me to hit the bricks. That's what yeah, I should have said. Yeah, that's what a lot of people don't realize. You, you and, and I, I've always said, t- don't worry about the money. Don't worry because it ain't gonna be there anyway. You right. want to, you want the opportunity. You, you want to be able to show yeah. your stuff. You want to, you want to. And radio's just like podcasting. 
where if you got a big following, that's when you get paid. But if not, you don't make any money. And that's just, the, yeah. it, I mean, I remember seeing Pat Cooper once on Letterman in like the 80s saying, it's over, Dave. He was just like yelling at Dave. It's over. It's If you don't sell tickets, you don't get the gigs. In the 80s, he was saying that. And it was bef way before computers and social wow. media. And wow. Letterman even said to Pat Cooper, he goes, should, I, should we just pack up now? Is, <laughs> yeah. is, are we done? <laughs> yeah. Is he still alive? He is still alive. Yeah, my dad loves wow. Pat Cooper. What a hilarious. No, I, he's great. Yeah. He's great. What a throwback. Dude. He had some energy, too. Yes. Some great, great advice, Joe. I, I, I think uh, that was very motivating to hear how to position yourself and, and put yourself out there, and uh, and and you're awesome at it. And uh, everybody, I, I got your your following down at the bottom of the screen at Joe Conklin Comedy. I know your website is JoeConklin.com. Is that what it is? Yeah, JoeConklin.com. Yeah, yeah. If uh, you ever want to try to get somebody to do a, especially in the in the philly south jersey area he's a you're a slam dunk guy with i, I love I, I can listen to those uh those voices over and over and uh i appreciate uh, it bro. is there anything appreciate else it. i should plug for you here <laughs> i don't know what else to plug except the website Lou, dude i got the, the greatest thing is got you know i do singers yeah you talk about you know what's going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to sing with a band forever. Really? I got. I, didn't know that. I did this charity thing last year at Parks Casino with an orchestra. Uh huh. And this has got a Pete Spina City Rhythm Orchestra. Uh huh. And I'm talking. You know, I'm going to do something for charity. Want to do this? Just say whatever you want. We're not. We're not doing much anymore. Anything. Well, well, uh, we're, we're. I'm game for anything. I'm going to do a show with an orchestra this summer in Cape May. I have no idea how it's going to go, but really? I'm going to do all the voice. I'm just going to basically put music in my act. I need like, I need 90 minutes. <laughs> that, we'll see how it goes. That'll work. That'll def I've gotten to the same way. Like I took, I do a show called remember when now that I did. Oh, yeah, you I did that. that at that theater last right before Corona hit. I did yeah, that at the yeah, Collingswood yeah. theater and, it's basically stand up with pictures and and music mixed into it, telling stories about the eighties and the nineties. So, uh, so how'd you do it with music? What what do you got? You got tracks, or do you have a band? I have tracks. I don't have a band. Okay. You can okay. some, once in a while you hit a theater that says, "Oh, you're not allowed to play unlicensed music." I'm like, "What?" Like yeah, at a comedy yeah. club, you can play anything you want behind what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but that was like only once did that happen. But you know, it's pictures from all different things from different times. But and originally, and you'll probably notice this when you do the thing with the band. Originally, the show like had a whole story and it evolved into like all the way up to now. And I realized nobody cares about now, they like all the nostalgic shit about the 80s and 90s. They love wow. hearing stand up about the shit that we went through when we were younger, you know. So you know, uh, yeah, you, you, you'll love that. Go watch that. Uh, yeah, go watch, uh, Jim Brewer did that one comedy special where he had the heavy metal band on stage with his, him for his whole special. And it's one of the greatest things ever. Cause he can, he's probably like you, he can really sing heavy metal. So you I can, gotta go see that for sure. Yeah. It's Jim online. Brewer, it's called, band? Okay. it's called like heavier and something. He has a band and they do a whole show together and it's great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, so Cape May, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it when you're there because uh, uh, Summers Point. I, I, I said, I said the wrong. It's, uh, it's the Gateway Playhouse in Summers Point, but that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and thanks, thanks to the man. radio. Always, yeah. and thanks fun. to the radio, you can plug all your dates. So it's you could do, <laughs> you could do whatever you want if you got the plugs, right? Correct. All right, man. So good talking to you, and uh, thanks for doing the show, buddy. You got it. Always good to talk to you. See you, man. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another Pretender to Contender. If you want to go and see me live, I got a live date coming up. I'm doing my one-man stand-up show called Remember When, May 7th in Royersford, Pennsylvania. Don't miss that. I'll be at Soul Joel's Comedy Lounge. Come on out. And also, remember that these shows are all crowdfunded. I'd love it if you'd go onto my Patreon page and subscribe. If you subscribe, you'll get all the episodes in high-definition video and a lot more. Patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. Okay? Support me. It's a nice thing to do, right? I'd love it. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good week.